shit, I break it. Step into my zone, mad rhymes will stifle ya. Lines like rifles go blast when I kick some ass. A lot of rappers be like one-time wonders. Couldn't say a fly rhyme if there was one right under their noses. I hate those motherfucking bullshit. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Damo back in the show, and it has been... A few days now since the trade deadline last week, and we've gotten to see um, a couple games of Wizards basketball since then. The Wizards acquired Vernon Carey, Ish Smith is back on the team, and we got Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis has not suited up yet. He's still out with the right knee bone bruise. We'll get into the Porzingis stuff in a little bit, but... Let's go ahead and talk about the the last game. We don't need to talk about the game of the the trade deadline night. Um, none of the the new guys played in that one, but uh, Ish Smith did play in this last game and looked pretty good. Uh, even though the Kings ended up getting a thirteen point victory, where Sabonis had a double double. Uh, he's had a double double in both games since being in a Kings uniform. Uh, Fox had a pretty solid game. Um, Harkless, I, Harkless was killing us all game. Um, but what did you think about that last Kings game? Yeah, I mean the difference was really uh, Mo Harkless. Like you can't let Mo Harkless go five for five with seventeen points. That was the game. Um, because outside of that, it was pretty much evenly matched. Um, the bonus had a decent stat line, but I didn't feel like he was, like, killing us. Like, he wasn't super dominant where, you know, we just couldn't stop him. Like, he only took nine shots. Right. Uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox took 21 shots and, and only got 26 points. But you can't let Mo Harkless go all five for five, three for three from three-point range. Justin Holiday four for six for three-point range. Like, you just can't – you can't allow that. Um and that's that was the difference in the game. We let them shoot forty three percent from three. Uh, you know we're not still not a good three point shooting team. So if you're gonna let a team go, you know, forty forty three percent from three, you're you're gonna lessen your chances of winning. Um, and we just got we just kind of got stagnant again on offense in that second half, where it's just like we couldn't buy a basket. Uh, you know, because I, I I think. You know, you don't have a bill out there. You don't have really an all-star out there to really dictate a defense. So, you know, Kuzma is solid, but he's not on that level where he can just by any means get a bucket. Um, so once he kind of went cold, it really we didn't really have a, a, a counter to them. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I like I like what I saw from, from Kispert. I mean, he he kept firing it away, even though he was was missing a lot. But uh, I, I like his floor game, man. He just he just plays the game the right way. Um, Rui, he's our best three point shooter now. Uh, so weird, right? It's uh, uh, it's not weird, honestly, because I mean, from everything Chase was has been saying is that he looked like the best three point shooter in practice. Um. And we saw kind of how he ended last year, and then in the playoff game, you know, he's he was really shooting the ball well for three. So uh, it's not surprising to me now that you know he put a little arc on it, and now it's going in. So yeah, uh, yeah so I mean, I was, I was, it was good. It was some good work from the young guys, but uh, I mean, I'm not mad at the loss. It's 
you know, like I said before, it's time to it's time to go uh kind of get some lottery odds here in our favor. Sure, we'll, we'll get into all of that in a little bit, but you did bring up something on Sabonis, which I've kind of which I've kind of hinted at before, but we can kind of go into this now because it it ties into trading for Porzingis and the conversation with John Collins. We talked a little bit about it on the on the Twitter space that we had the other night, but. So the thing with Sabonis for me, right, is like he'll put up good numbers and like he may do it efficiently, but he's just not a guy where like I'm dedicating this big scouting report on how to stop because all he's basically going to do is pop out for a jumper or he's going to try and and score in the post. He doesn't have an off-bounce game. Um, He's not going to be one of those fours or fives that can cross you up in the mid-range and pull up for a midi. Like he really only does two things. And one of them he does really well. He's obviously not that great of a shooter, but you know he can finish inside. He has nice hook shots, and we saw that in the in the game. But he, again, he's just he's not like one of the more like raw skilled big men. I feel like in terms of ball handling, shooting, you know, like he, he again he has a nice back to the basket game, but it's just it's not like the skill pops out where you're like. Holy crap! Like, like we got a game yeah. plan for this guy. But do you know all of the injuries that Porzingis has had throughout his career? Like, have they all been sort of knee injuries? I meant to look at this before we started, but got caught up in trying to do some stuff around the apartment here. But I'm just trying to like think of because now he has a bone bruise in his right knee, but all of his other major injuries have been knee related, right? I believe so. Um... I'm actually looking it up now here to see. I, I know he's had goodness gracious, been a lot with the knee. Uh, yeah, he tore his ACL February 2018. Okay. Uh, and then was that like the that, first big one that like? Yes. Okay. That was the, that was the first big one. That was 2018. Uh, and then it's been a lot of knee, been knee heel. Ankle, a little bit of back, uh, more ankle, knee, back. Not the best, not the best areas to be suffering injuries in for a guy that's seven three. All lower level, lower extremity areas. So like, yeah, that, that's why I say like, the Mavs don't make this deal if they feel like he can stay healthy. I just so unless I mean, no, the Wizards are gonna have to have an, an immaculate medical staff, man. Yeah, I mean, again, upside-wise, potential out of this. I see why Tommy made this move. And again, I mean, even if it ends up not working out and he ends up being banged up all the time or whatever, I mean, you're still shedding salary, right? I mean, Porzingis' contract, I think, is one year less than than Dinwiddie's would have been. So, I mean, either way, if this doesn't move out long-term, you're still saving some money and you get a second-round pick. And maybe that's where the whole injury compensation sort of came in. And Tommy's like, well, you know, this guy is injured all the time, so you need to give me something else. And so, I mean, all around, though, this is a, this is going to be a really good trade now. I don't know how this ends up being a bad trade. I mean, Porzingis would have to be, like, legit terrible. Like, injured every single time. Like, just awful on the court. But I don't see that happening. I still think KP is a pretty good talent. And 
I think they're going to end up running him at the five. I, he said that he wants to play a little bit more inside. And if they can kind of keep him from moving around a whole lot and moving around on the perimeter, perhaps that can save him from getting some of these injuries that we're seeing so he doesn't have to make all these sudden quick movements. And of course, in the modern NBA at the five, you're still going to have to move around a little bit, but you'll still get those matchups where you can basically just, you know, follow a guy a few feet out of the paint. It's going to be nothing serious. So, but yeah, uh, the, but you brought up a, a good point about the the point guard position. And that's kind of something that we can get into now. I mean, ever since wall got injured, it seems like we can't find a point guard that fits. Um, we had Ish Smith and look, I love Ish Smith to death. Um, not a starting point guard in this league. I think everyone can agree on that. And that's okay. You know, he doesn't have to be. He still does a lot of good things, as we saw the other night. I mean, what, when I saw him get after the, the ball on defense the other day and come away with those steals, I'm like, I haven't seen that from a guard here since he was here the last time. Um, and I know it hasn't been that long, but, like, Westbrook would never really do that. Um, Dinwiddie sure as hell was not doing that. Um you know, Neto maybe occasionally, but Ish Smith, when, when he was able to get some of those steals and race down the court with this speed in the open court, it's like, you know, th- this is what we're looking for from the point guard position. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but I mean, Ish obviously out of all the point guards that we've had, I think has been the best fit next to a guy like Beal, but it, it raises the question now, what do we do at the starting point guard position? You know, do we go the direction of a, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, do we go to DeJounte Murray? Do we tank and maybe use that high draft pick on a point guard? I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that since I'm sure you've had a little bit more time to think about this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the whole point guard thing. Yeah, I, I was I was going back and forth about it uh, the other day as far as like what's available beyond, uh, you know, beyond this season. I mean, because we know we know Ish and Neto aren't the long-term solutions for the point guard spot. So, you know, kind of looking around the league and seeing what point guards might be available this summer via trade or free agency. Uh, it's a it's a few names out there, but like they all kind of come with some caveats. You know, like Malcolm Brogdon is a popular one, um, but he's got somewhat of an injury history. He's thirty. And his contract is pretty pricey. Like, are you going to carry his 18 mil plus KCP's 14 mil? I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that they can do that when you're talking about paying Brad Beal a supermax, and then you got KP's 33 mil on the books now. Um, it's just it's going to be tough. So, we'll have to be some maneuvering with that money wise. And then, uh, you know, I, I think a guy for me, I still like the idea of De'Anthony Melton because I just think, you know, he's not going to get as many minutes in Memphis as he would here. Uh, and he's on a really good contract for the next two years, I believe, at like around $8 million a year. Um, he plays defense and he can shoot the three. That's really all we need. Uh, and then I kind of like a sleeper pick for me would probably be Pat Bev. Um, Patrick okay. Beverly, I, I just think he's kind of like, you know, he's like the the Marcus Smart of of point guards. Like he's just he's just a dog. He's gonna hold people accountable defensively. 
he's he's been shooting a three well for the last couple years. Um and he's just solid, man. He's a pro. Like he's just gonna he's gonna get after it defensively and you know, he's gonna move the ball. Um but he's not like a prober, you know, like a Ricky Rubio type, but I think he'll better do the job here if that was an option. Yeah, I think those are all um players to consider for sure. Now go ahead. So for draft wise, because I know a lot of people have been saying Ty Ty and there's a lot of other like I guess point guards in this draft. I don't know. I haven't done a lot of research on the draft. You know how I kind of do with that. I, I won't look at it basically until like a couple or a few weeks before. So I'm not a big draft person looking at talent. But are there any point guards that you would quote unquote tank for? Or if we do tank, you're trying to get one of those big boys at the top of the board? If I'm tanking, I want one of the big boys up top. I want I want a Paolo, Chet, or Jabari. Um because that, those three guys can have like a, you know, Evan Mobley type impact on our roster. Uh, specifically Chet and Jabari, just because of what they are able to do defensively. Um, you know, not even going into what they, what they bring as offensive players, but like defensively, they could change your whole defense. Uh, so yeah, I would want one of those guys. I don't think you let KP or Kuzma um, prevent you from taking one of those studs. Uh, but if, if you're drafting for need, I, point guard could be an option, but this is like the worst point guard draft I've seen in like a decade. So oh, is it? Oh. Yeah, it's just not a lot of options here at point guard. Like there is no, you know, there is no Tyrese Maxey at pick 25 or whatever, wherever he went, that's just waiting to be had. Like it's just not, it's just not one of those types of drafts, man. Like, Tata Washington is probably the best you're going to get. That's like a true point guard. And he might not even go top 10 in this draft. Um, he could, but it's not like a given, um, which is odd because usually you got to run on point guards, top 10 in the draft. You know, it's always like two or three point guards that go top 10 every draft. But this this is not one of those drafts. Um, uh, Jaden Ivey. I think it's more of a two. Like he's getting more ball handling responsibilities over there, but he's just not a natural point. Um, he's he would need some time to kind of, uh, kind of adjust to that role. Um, and 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 rookie point guards are just usually never good. Like even the best ones. Like you you seeing uh, Suggs and Cade and uh, those guys. It takes time for point guards. It's it's, it's like being a quarterback. Like you, it, it just takes a lot of time and development. So I don't even know that that's necessarily an option that Tommy is considering out the gate for a team that's trying to really like win and compete for a playoff spot next year. They'll probably go a veteran as the starter. And then if a point guard is the best guy on the board, they'll just take the point guard, but they're not probably, I don't see them banking on a rookie being their starting point guard next year. Sure. So we talked about Porzingis. Um, well, we already know about Ishmith. I feel like we don't even really need to, to talk about that because he was literally just here not too long ago. Uh, Vernon Carey, I'm not going to read too much into. Look, I mean, he's he's a he's a project type player. Um, he's probably going to be the third center in the rotation going forward. Uh, when Gafford comes back, I. Would rather see a Gafford carry combo than a 
uh, Bryant Gafford. And then if, if KP plays the season, Bryant literally has no reason to be playing at all. But um, Vernon Carey, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's all right. But, I mean, it's it's a depth move. Uh, nothing more than that, I, you would think, right? Yeah. yeah, you just take a flyer on a guy uh, and then see what he can do. I mean, he was productive at Duke. Um, so maybe, you know, uh, you get him in your in your program, get him some some games, some reps on the go go, and he can turn into something for you. But he's kind of like an old school big, where you know he's kind of a plotter, um, not a lot of mobility on the perimeter. So he's probably going to be targeted in pick and rolls. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see. Um, you know, you never want to box a guy in, but I'm I'm not expecting much out of that. It was you know. Well, but we'll see what happens. So looking at the Eastern Conference standings right now, um, I know everyone wants the Wizards to tank and all that, but here's the reality of the situation. And it's they're not going to. And I think that the, 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 the Ted message that we will never, ever tank is certainly going to stick here. And, I mean, look, it's not like they're four to five games back of a playing spot right now. I mean, they're literally just – um, well, now they're a half game back of getting. So, I mean, if, if they beat Detroit tonight, and I don't know if Atlanta has a game tonight. Um, no, they don't. So, I mean, if we beat Atlanta, I mean, there's a good chance we move back up into 10 and then we're back into play in territory. So, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the reality is, is I think they're going to try and push for a play in. But looking at the Eastern Conference innings here, you got <clears throat> Miami, Chicago, Cleveland. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, all within 20 to, to 22 losses. They're only separating uh, by two and a half games from the one seed to the five seed. That would be Miami and Philadelphia. Um, you got Boston and Toronto, who are probably going to be teetering back and forth at six and seven for a little while. Um, Boston is 33 and 25. Toronto is 31 and 24. Uh, Brooklyn has just been terrible lately, but you figure they'll work their way back up um, when everyone gets healthy. But for now, I think they'll probably continue to tank a little bit, maybe um, flip-flop a little bit with Charlotte, um, who is at 500 at 29 and 29. And then finally at the 10th spot, you got 26 and 30 Atlanta. And then you have us at 25 and 30. And then the next seed behind us would be the Knicks at 25 and 32. But then after that, in the Eastern Conference, we're not going to fall much farther than that. Like, I feel the the lowest we're going to finish this year in the Eastern Conference is 12. And that, again, that's not, and that's in the Eastern Conference. That's not even like top three pick range. So, of course, we're going to need some lottery luck. But um, I would never want to rely on ping pong balls. Now, look, I don't think of this as a team that's going to go out there and, uh, surprise people if they were able to win the playing games and get into the first round. And again, I wouldn't want to force Porzingis to play either when I would rather have him be healthy because this move to me is about next year at this point. I mean, again, Brad already said he didn't want to play this year. Let's go ahead and get the surgery and let's get right. So the focus I think is clearly on next year, but I still think they're going to try and remain competitive for, for one of these playing seeds for sure. Yeah, they're going to try. I just don't think they're going to be successful. Um, I'm, I'm looking at just the whole league as far as wins and losses here. They're, they're just 
they're a game above the Knicks right now. Um, the Knicks are obviously still trying to win. Um, I think the Blazers are, are are winning with the way Anthony Simons has come on late. Uh, you know, the Pelicans, we're still in front of the Pelicans. The Pelicans are obviously trying to win. They, they just made the trade for C.J. McCollum. Uh, the Spurs, they got an all-star and DeJounte Murray. And the Kings, obviously, they just made a trade for an all-star to go with De'Aaron Fox. So I could see a scenario where we, we slap back in front of those dudes as far as lottery because we're only three games up on those teams. Um, and that's one, two, three, four, five. We would that's be five six. Teams. Yeah, that would put us six right behind Indiana for top odds uh, for the number one pick. I would like I would like those odds much better than the odds we have right now, which I think is what eleventh. Um, yeah, eleventh. We would be eleventh right now. Yeah, yeah. If we can go from eleven to six, I would prefer it. Do you think um, that that? Because I'm just for Wes Unso Junior too, and I know that he hasn't been like setting the world on fire. I mean, at the beginning of the year, they were obviously playing really well. Teams caught on to what they were trying to do, and it hasn't really been the same ever since, especially on the defensive end of the floor. But I don't know. I'm just, you know, a lot of times when you get these jobs, you only get this once. And I would hate for, like, if, if so, like, he has an okay next year and then an okay third year, and then his fourth year comes up, and it was like, well, you know, we didn't even – I mean, your first year was a disaster. We didn't even make the, the the play in, and it's like, well, I mean, Brad was out and all that. But so you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not that. Yeah, I see what you're saying as far as far as his resume is concerned. But like, I think he has an out for this year. You had a lot of guys that were new, new faces, new scheme, new first time head coach. A lot of egos, different personalities that you had to mesh in. Um, so I don't think I don't think. He's being looked at as like, oh, you were supposed to win 50 games this year. Sure. Um, nah, 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 no way. So now next year, you get everybody back and, and Tommy gets you a point guard and, you know, you, you make some other moves and you you have a fully balanced roster and then you go out and you win 30, 30 games, then then there's going to be some issues. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's fine. I, I think they're going to try to compete. You know, they're, they're pros. They're going to try to play hard and, and play the right way, I think, is going to be more important than necessarily wins and losses. And I don't think they're going to try to rush KP back to be a 10 seed. No, there's absolutely no reason to rush him back at all, even if they are in a in a play in spot. I mean, if they if they, for some reason they end up with 10 or something like that and Porzingis is still questionably hurt. Like I'm not bringing him back for a playing game either. Like, you know what I mean? J- just as to, to name a scenario, uh, by chance, did you have a chance to listen to, um, Tommy Shepard's press conference or Porzingis's? I listened to Tommy's. I didn't listen to, uh, Porzingis's yet. Okay. Was there anything interesting that you found what Tommy said? Uh, the, the one thing that I didn't like what Tommy said uh, when he started talking about COVID and injuries and all that, and he said that they weren't excuses, they were like legit or something like that. And yeah. my, my my only thing with that is like, dude, the whole league was dealing with that at one point. Like a, you got to – you got to be able to just sometimes you got to fight through that stuff and get someone's because there were still like 
a lot of wins that they left on the table when we did have a lot of guys out. And he said himself, like, there's seven games I'm thinking of that we had no business losing. And to me, like, I guarantee you some of those games are when we had guys that were out with COVID. So I'm like, so which is it? Are, are we supposed to, to win or are we not when we have those issues? So I don't know. That's the only thing that I found an issue with. But all the other stuff, I mean, again, he's 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 a good speaker, right? Like he's good at selling you on stuff. And so we'll, we'll see how it all We'll see how it all pans out, but um, what did you think about the the presser? Yeah, I didn't like that part of the con- uh, of his presser either. But I mean, it's kind of what I expect him to say. Like he's gonna he's gonna cover he's gonna cover his own ass. He's gonna right, cover for right. moves and mistakes that he made. You know, he's got to cover for that. Like it would be he he's not gonna sit up there and be like, oh well, you know, we were we were supposed to you know the Miami Heat. <laughs> have only played, you know, 15 games with their big three, but, you know, they're sitting as a top three seed in the East. You know, he's not going to bring that up. We know that, though. Like, <laughs> you know, we know yeah. it's levels to, to you know, the difference in, in moves that the Heat have made versus what the Wizards have made. And that's an infle- uh, reflection of him as general manager. So he's not trying to own that right now. He's going to, you know, he's going to try to, cover his own ass and, and save face. So, you know, the fans still show up and support the team. Um, and so now we kind of just punt it to next year. And, and the rest of this year is going to be about development uh, of the young guys. But then uh, next year, man, it's go time. Like, But I feel like they've been saying that like the last couple years. But like this upcoming season is going to be so important because – you know, it, it can't be any more excuses anymore. Like, at some point, the rubber got to meet the road. What's your kind of outlook and opinion on Rui at this point? And he's a valuable player, and he's really good. I think that talent-wise, he should be starting in that sense. I get fit-wise why they're starting Kispert and KCP. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to have that discussion, but... I think that they're going to kind of view him as a backup for going forward. And sure, that's great, but I wonder if he's a piece that you put at the table to try and get a point guard if you want to trade for one. But I don't know also at the same time if you do that because he is very talented right now. Statistically speaking, he is our best three-point shooter, but it still feels like to me – he's not getting enough minutes. So I don't know what Wes is thinking about him um, or anything like that, but I kind of wanted to get your opinion on that whole situation because it's odd. And I think most, if not all Wizards fans would like to see him play a little bit more and have a, a bigger role because we've seen what he is capable of before in previous seasons. So, but it seems like the, the staff doesn't view him and the way that we saw him last year or the year before. Yeah, see, I'm not, I'm not sure about it. I don't, I don't really know because I, I don't know that. I, I, you know what? I'd be curious, man. I would be curious to know what the, what the Sabonis offer was like if Rui was included in that. Um, I, I'd be curious to see that because that would kind of give me some insight on whether or not how they, how they view him versus the rest of their young guys is going forward because. I don't know, man. Like I, I, the forty games that he missed, like I kind of threw the evaluation off. 
But like the way he's played so far, even on this minutes restriction, it's encouraging. Cause like if he's gonna shoot the three ball the way he's shooting it, with how athletic he is, the way he can kind of run the floor and his the mid range game he already had, I think you could look at him and, and kind of squint and see like a Tobias Harris type player. But is that player gonna be realized? Uh, if you got Kyle Kuzma here playing that same spot, and then you and you kind of right. got suspect point guard play, um, I don't know. Maybe you maybe you say, all right, well we got Kuzma, so that makes Rui expendable, you know, and see if we can get back, you know, another another key piece. Um, or do you say, you know what, let's try. You shoot the ball from three well. Let's let's move him to the starting lineup. And that that he just be another big wing that we have, um, but I, I, I it's clear that that, that Tommy was kind of once they couldn't get Sabonis that he kind of seemed like he pivoted and was just like I'm not gonna move any uh, of the young pieces and I'm gonna keep these wings, uh, you know, and just add a KP to that. And he felt like that was just a better direction to go for the future to have the wings, all of the wings plus KP. Versus, say, you know, going after John Collins and then you got to give up two out of the three youngins plus a pick and other salary filler. Is it really worth it to them? So they, right. they clearly value these guys. They do. And, uh, and I again, I agree with the with this. You know, I, I don't know if. If you had this on the table for Tommy, like between the Porzingis trade, because he said himself that the Porzingis trade didn't kind of materialize until uh, closer to the near the end of the deadline, which we know from the reporting. But I wonder if he had known that in hindsight, if he even would have entertained a Sabonis offer to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it seemed like the Sabonis thing was what he was really, really trying to work on. Um, I mean, we know Bill wanted that, you know, all of the, innuendo on the social media. <laughs> uh, so I think he was really trying to work that. Um, and then when that kind of fell through and they, and the Kings offered a King's ransom basically uh, to get him, then it was just like, Oh, well let me call about KP. And, and the fact that he was able to pull that off without having to give up any of the young guys or any picks and actually got a pick back. Like you said, that might it's have been crazy, a deal. man. It's crazy. <laughs> that might have been a deal he would have did off the jump before right. even calling the boss a bonus. So, you know, right. um, but I'm, I, I'm not I mad like, at it. I'm not mad at it because this is a wing league, man. You need you need big six foot six to six foot ten wing players that can shoot the ball. I think that's the key swing skill. Is which one of these guys are going to be able to hit perimeter shots? We know Kisper's going to be able to do it. Rui is looking like he's going to be able to do it. Now we just got to kind of get Denny there. Yeah, it's funny watching these eras of basketball shift because we went from the traditional big boy ball with the Carlos Boozers and then the Nays at the four to where we are now where you go a lot of small ball. But now we're going back to big boy ball. But the difference between big boy ball then and big boy ball now is now all the bigs that are coming out because they get to watch Kevin Durant and and Steph Curry and Kyrie and all these other guys, Jokic and Embiid, all the big men that come up now into the league, most of the time have skill, at least the top tier ones, and, and can do a little bit of stuff that w- would make you think they're a wing, in some aspects even a guard. So 
it's just interesting how you watch all that develop in such a short period of time because the big men in this league have gotten so much more skilled coming into the league to where you can afford to go back to the big boy ball lineups now. And that's why we've been seeing a premium on wings lately because all the wings were getting really skilled. And you talk about the four position developing and or not evolving. And now we're seeing that at the five, but now you can afford to play two of those guys at the same time. And we're seeing that with Cleveland now, for example, to where you can play three guys around seven foot or over seven foot because everyone's so damn skilled. So now the big men that can handle a little bit and have a jump shot. I mean, now there's going to be a premium on those type of guys. Yeah. I mean, cause it was, it was, you know, basketball for since its inception has always been like, uh, uh, you know, it's always been, uh, for for the uh the vertically blessed you know it's always been a tall man's game right like you wanted to put the tallest guys on the floor to have that athletic advantage right but you know the big men of old you know they only scored really one kind of way and with the importance of the three-point shot the small ball i don't even i don't even really like referring to it as small ball because i don't think it had anything to do with guys just being smaller so that you could play faster I think it had more to do with just we're going to put our five most skilled players on the floor. Right, right. And if you happen to be seven feet, well, then you'll play. But most of the guys that were the most skilled were between six foot five and six foot nine. So those were the guys that were on the floor. But now that you've seen an evolution in, in skill play from these big men, I mean, it's like now I, I see Joel and B now coming down the floor doing goddamn full court euro steps you know weaving through traffic dribbling the ball hitting dudes with no look passes like you know that's Akeem Olajuwon stuff man and at the time he was kind of the only guy that was doing that type of stuff but now it seems like everybody's doing it now these guys are like seven foot shooting guards so you know now it's back to a big boy game now because if I got a shooting guard that's six foot four and I got a guy that's six foot 11 that could do the same things, well, I'm going to play the six foot 11 guy. <laughs> so, right. you know, like, it, damn small ball. Like, nah, we're going we gonna to play big ball because this guy's skilled. So, uh, yeah. And, and I think I think that's where. I hope that's where Tommy is trying to go with this roster, and I'm hoping that's the thinking behind you know, kind of making Kyle Kuzma untouchable because, you know, he's six foot ten and he can handle the ball. He just had a triple double, you know, points, rebound, assists. Like, it's not a lot of guys six ten that can do that. Like that kind of like Lamar Odom type versatility. Like if you could put five Lamar Odoms on the floor, <laughs> I think I think you would do it. You know, but just because you're just gonna just it's gonna be a mismatch in so many spots on the floor and. If you can create mismatches, man, you could you can have a really really potent offense. And now you add a, a Porzingis who's seven three into that conversation for us, who can play just as good on the defensive end on the defensive end as he can on the offensive end with his ability to stretch the floor and 
being able to block shots and be an enforcer in the paint. So now you're talking about if we get a high draft pick and you're able to add one of those big boys, you add that to the length and versatility of a Kuzma, a Denny, a Rui, and now Porzingis in the middle with with Gafford off the bench. I mean, you're you're talking about a pretty versatile, athletic front court, which I think we would say is probably the best way to have a team in which Bradley Beal is presumably going to be your best player. I think that they've been trying to emphasize the point guard position so much lately. And it's not that I don't think it should be a priority, but to me, it shouldn't be the top priority. Like to me, I mean, as long as you get some random schmuck that can do that can shoot the three ball, like at a slightly above average clip, and play solid perimeter defense. That's all you're really looking for for the point guard position for me, especially with the other guys that we have on the roster now. I mean, it just it just doesn't need to be anything fancy, and I feel like you don't need to allocate a lot of your salary cap in order to bring some guy in that's probably not going to end up being a good fit next to Beal. I mean, I'd rather pay the the role player to be now that doesn't mean I want Ish Smith as the starting point guard, but you get where I'm going with that. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it doesn't need to be like we don't need a Chris Paul, like or a prime Rajon Rondo. It would be nice. But I think offenses have kind of evolved where, you know, you'd rather have like five, four to five guys that average three assists, three or four assists, than one guy kind of dominating the ball, averaging, you know, 10, 11 assists. Um, we we kind of seem like Tommy wants that kind of Warriors free-flowing offense where everybody can move it, uh, drive, kick, shoot it, right? So... You know, if we could just get a point guard that's not a liability on defense, you know, so somebody that's like 6'3 plus uh, and has some defensive instincts and then can can play off the ball and hit hit jump shots from the perimeter, I think that's all you really need. And because, you know, Kyle Kuzma, Brad Beal and KP are going to have the ball majority of the time. Right, right. So what do you need a, a, a point guard that's going to pound the ball for 20 seconds for? You don't, you don't need that. Um, especially. And I think that was my biggest gripe with Dinwiddie was like, I didn't expect you to come in as like this 40% three point shooter. Right. But you can't be a bad shooter and you pound the ball for 20 seconds without even dribbling past the free throw line. Like, it can't be both. And you and you run slow pace. You don't really get up and down the floor to create easy opportunities at the rim. So it's just like, it's like a triple negative. <laughs> so, uh, and you're bad on defense. Like, it's just like, you know, they, they got to get somebody in that's just competent at the position that's the size of a real starting NBA point guard. And I think they'll be fine. I, I would revisit Sadoransky this summer. Um, I think that that's a guy who, again, probably isn't a starting point guard in this league, but again, for what you're asking him to do and for price and what he's probably going to demand, and we talk about size, defense, I don't know what he's shooting from three this year, but last I checked, he wasn't like a a terrible three-point shooter. Oh, his shooting numbers have been down this year. Have they been Um, bad? 
Yeah, they've yeah. been bad. They've been bad. I, I give you another one in that vein of big point guard. What about a DeLon Wright? He does play a, defense, doesn't he? He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, mm. I think right now he's with the Hawks, I think. But, yeah, he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, would I think you... he's like, would you entertain like a, an Alfred Payton type guy or no because of the no. shooting? No, 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 no. The shooting is way too bad. And he's a guy that has to have a ball. Like he got to, he got to pound it and kind of probe the defense. Like I'm good with that. <laughs> you know what? DeLon Wright makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Uh, what's his, do you know what his three point shooting has been like this year? I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things like Trey gets so much of the minutes that Let me see. he barely played. Like, he's playing like 18 minutes a game this year. He's shooting 37% from three. But it's only on one attempt a game, again, because he don't really he, – he's not even really playing that much for them because that's the Trey Young show. So, Yeah, but, I mean, generally speaking, going back to the – 2019 2020 season i mean he's basically been an above average three-point shooter so if you can 35 percent, like i'll take that yeah i mean it's that's the the league average right now is around 35 so if you're able to to bring that in at the point guard position and you're not chewing a lot of clock and you're able to just run sets and most importantly just Get after it. I'm not asking you to be DeJounte Murray at the top of the key when guys bring the ball up the court, but just put some pressure on guys. If you're able to, you know, if, if you if you have to get two fouls quickly at the beginning of a game, you know, then you can bring a Hall Neto or an Ish, or an Ishmith or whatever. But I mean, I just want someone who's going to be at the aggressive at the point of attack um, on both ends and defensively, you know, get after guys. Offensively, just just play your role, man. I don't need you to do anything because we have so many guys that, like you said earlier, are going to need the ball. They're going to need to score. We need to find pieces that that complement those guys and aren't going to take away from what the current guys that are already on the roster do well. So, Because, I mean, the, this isn't the – the best big three in the world that we have right now, right? But for what these guys do, they're going to need the ball. And to me, I mean, bringing another point guard in who's going to want the ball a lot isn't really going to help things. We may be in the same situation again next year, and we we can't afford that. So that's kind of where totally I'm at. Agree. Totally agree, man. With the, the, you know, you got your three, your, your quote-unquote big three. If we want to call it that, Bill Kuzma, KP. I think you could um, call it that at this point. I think Kuzma's proved himself enough at this point, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's formidable. It's not, you know, you can do a lot worse than those three guys at exactly. the top of your roster. Exactly. Um, but I think, again, we got to fill it out, like you said, with pieces that fit. And I think the biggest swing skill in that is guys that can make three-point shots, you know, playing off the ball, and then who can defend. So if you can add, if you can put two, three, and D pieces next to those three guys, I think you on to something. Um, but it's just identify who in those who those guys are. Are they already on your roster, or do you need to go out and get get two more guys to to fill those roles? That's why I'm like, man, if Denny could just shoot the three, man, he would be so perfect. 
He's been shooting the ball a lot better. Yeah, he's he's definitely been better, but it just you know it's it's still, it kind of comes and goes, man. I wonder what um, he's at this year. Let me look. He is at. Oh, okay, thirty percent. But I'd be curious to know what it it's been over the past like five to ten games or so, because I feel like I he's it, been a lot better lately. I know in January he shot like. Was it January? I feel like, yeah, in January, I felt like he shot like 35% from three. Right? Like he was like a right at league average, above league average. But outside of that, he's been around 30% or lower. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like he's got to, he can't do it for just one month, man. He's got to do it for four or five months. Um, because if he does, man, I would just put him at, 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 the, at the other guard spot. And just be just be six nine shortest. Bill would be the shortest dude on the floor for us, and, and just outsize guys. Um, but <laughs> if his his shooting gonna be as bad as it is, I just don't see how you could do it. I mean, re- remember when we had a podcast uh, a couple or a few weeks ago? We were debating on whether or not he should even be in the rotation. If we were talking about uh, yes. the most talented guys, so I mean, it's yeah I because could, the the shooting is just so important and then if you're going to be a bad shooter and you missing layups at the rim right, like, I right. can't play you man I can't, I just play, can't, yeah. can't yeah. play you yeah. I, w- I would bench my son for that <laughs> he's gotten a lot better I'll tell you what his finishing especially with his left hand has you've seen like him get better with that throughout the year and I think he had a missed bunny it was either the other night or the game before but but generally speaking I mean he's gotten a lot better at finishing at the rim and his mid-range pull-up game, I mean, there might be something to that. I feel like we're, you know, we don't see it all the time now. It's not a consistent thing. But when we do see it, I mean, it, it looks solid, you know? Yeah, I hope, I hope, um, you know, this summer he he won't be in it on any injury or anything. So he won't be rehabbing and it'll just be skill work. Like, you know, he'll get some directives from the coaching staff on what he needs to work on to be um, – his best, the best version of himself to help this team next year, and I hope he has the whole summer to work on that, um, and just come back a better player. Because if he's just league average from average from three, with everything he does defensively, I think you got yourself you got yourself a player. But it's it's such a it's such a what if, man. So I mean, to to paint a scenario, if. If Denny gets better at his three, like if we see enough trend in his three point shot this offseason or to end the season to where we feel comfortable with it, I know I just brought up Sadoransky. You could put Denny in that role in the starting five. And now you, you're, if Rui is shooting the ball well still by the end of the season, you could be starting both of them. You know, if, if you don't want to spend the money and you don't want to trade for guys and you want to keep your talent. Um, you could have a starting lineup of Denny, Beal, Rui, um, Kuzma, and KP. And now you're getting value out of both of your first-round picks as starters, and you're not having to give up anything to trade for guys. So maybe that's something that gets entertained as well. And you're talking of where we talked about the, the the bigger guys and the versatility with the length and defending. I mean, Denny checks all of the boxes as a fit that you would want next to Beal, except the shooting. So if you can iron that out to at least like 
35%. I, I don't see the point in spending all this money on an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you would be just basically, you know, after Bill, it would be six, eight and up down the rest of your roster, man. Like, that's a lot of versatility. You could literally switch out everything. Um, and and could be a I feel like that could be a top top ten defensive team if if you were going that route. Um and then now you kind of insulate Bill inside of all of these, you know, great switchable athletic defenders with a sh- a seven foot three shot blocker at the rim. Like it would be amazing. But again, if if these guys can't shoot the ball, it's just not gonna work. So, you know, cause then the spacing is gonna be all junky. You know, it's you know, it's gonna make it harder to to it's gonna make it harder on Bill to score the ball efficiently because they'll be able to easily key him. Um, so they gotta be able to shoot it, man. And Bill's gonna have to be able to shoot it too. He's gotta get his three ball back. Uh quick question um in regards to Bill. I don't know if you know this or not. So he's gonna be out for the rest of the season, obviously. Does that open up a roster spot? Like can we sign someone now or does he still count? I, I don't know how that works. I don't know if they change the rules or that for not. Oh, I don't know if they get like a hardship exception or anything like that, but uh I mean they got enough guys on the roster that they can pull from the go go and whatnot, so I think they probably would just go that route instead of like signing somebody outside of their program. I hope that for like the rest of the season and then going into the off season that they put the emphasis on defensive personnel. And I know that we need the three point shooting. And I know like we, we throw around the term three and D like that's just easy to, to come about on a, a daily in and out basis. But I mean, the, we, we really need to put an emphasis on the defensive end of the floor because I got to tell you, ever since that 10-3 and three stretch, like we just haven't seen it on the, the defensive side of the floor for these guys. And I get it's an offensive league, and guys are a lot more skilled now, and so it's hard. To, like Everyone just says, oh, they don't play defense in the NBA now. But uh, the, the old guys that say that don't realize the, the skill gap between uh, Jermaine O'Neal and an Evan Mobley. So the the big yeah, side, like it's, it's a it's a. I, I'll just say this: like it's a reason, you know, uh, the Wizards' defense to close last year went from bottom five to top five when they added Daniel Gafford. Like they literally didn't change anything else. You know, they just inserted a top tier shot blocker. Um, you know, and then this year you can kind of look at the splits like. Thomas Bryant playing the five is not the same as Daniel Gafford playing the five. And it's probably not going to be the same as KP playing the five. Just just speaking strictly defensively, right? You know, like, we know what the defense looks like when Denny is not in the game versus when, you know, Aneto is in the game. <laughs> like, you know, they got to play. They got to, if they're going to be a defensive team, they got to play their better defensive players. Um, and then, and then everybody has to, has to buy in. But I think now that Tommy has kind of cleared the, the clutter away, I think we'll have some more clarity on us on roles and, you know, where guys are supposed to be, um, um, on this team and they should be better for it. I, you know me, I, I tried being like the biggest Thomas Bryant supporter that I could, but I can't. 
I can't do it anymore. I don't know why he was kept past the deadline. Like, even if it was to get a trade exception or to get a second round pick, like, I would have happily done that. Like, I don't get it now because now he's just going to walk away and sign with another team and we're going to get nothing out of it. And I'm sure there would have been. You can't tell me there's not one rebuilding team like Oklahoma City that would have taken him. I mean, Oklahoma City's throwing out. What's that random center's name? The the number fifty guy. Do you remember his name? It's like I don't. Oh know. yeah, I don't even remember. But but I mean, it's gonna be some guys that clear waivers now that I think could help you probably more than TB could defensively. Like I think uh, the the kid Moses. Mo, uh, I can't remember his last name, or maybe that's his first name. He was with Moses OKC. Brown. Moses Brown. Yeah, I think he he's clearing waivers. Like he's like another Gafford type shot blocker, athletic rangy guy like i would take him um but I'm, I'm wondering if tommy's calculus on it was just like look the value he i'm gonna get back for him it might be like a second round pick uh or some middling player that i really don't need i'd rather just keep him and that way i don't have to rush back a Kristaps porzingis once gafford is back out of protocols and i can just kind of let him ride it out and that's worth more to me keeping Kristaps Porzingis healthy than getting this, you know, second round pick or middling player that has no value to me. But it's like then you could you could just call up um, Jaime Echenique. You could sign him for the rest of the season. Like you could get Vernon Carey some minutes. Like we're talking about tanking anyway. Like I yeah. I I just don't see the point. And like I get from the the not forcing. Porzingis back thing, like I get that part, but it's like there are other options. Like Thomas Bryant is not like the the only guy that you could play. Yeah, that's true. But I, and I still don't think it's it's a it's a closed book on him returning. Um, it should be. I I don't see the point. I'll tell you what. If they brought back Thomas Bryant as the backup next year and Gafford wasn't playing again, I would be pissed. Yeah. See. I... I, yeah, I still don't think it's a closed door because, again, you cannot – can you really bank on KP health? Like, what happens if KP gets hurt? And, and it's it's not even a matter of when. It's a matter of, of – it's not even a matter of if. It's a matter of when he's going to get hurt, right? Sure. So, like, then what do you do at center? Like, Gafford goes back in as starter, and then who's the backup? Vernon Carey, or you can sign someone on a vet mid. Yeah, and would you rather would you rather have Vernon Carey as the backup or Thomas Bryant? Yeah, Coming down now, now he would be year two off the ACL instead of year one. I would like to know the price that Thomas Bryant is going to request, but either way, like I, I don't know. I mean, if Thomas might, Bryant's going to come point, back and not play, it might be a I'm vet probably. minimum at this point. It might be a vet minimum deal at this point for him. If it's anything more than that, I don't want it because there's just too many other things on the roster that we got to get sorted out. And in a winning year, I'm not prioritizing bringing back someone who might be your your backup center when Porzingis is healthy. So, I mean, because to me, it's Porzingis, Gafford, and honestly, at this point, I would rather play Carey over Bryant. Like, again, I... I don't see the oh, point. God, you just went all the way to the other side. God damn. From a value standpoint, because if Vernon Carey plays well for the rest of the season, that's another trade chip that you can use in the offseason if you want to bring someone in. You can't use Brian as a trade chip now. He's done. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. Who's going to totally sign a trade? 
Who's going to sign yeah, so, and trade for a you, guy? So, you know, I mean. So you don't think TB can look better? You know, year two, another off season, year two off the ACL. Because I, I, I honestly, I didn't expect him to look good this year coming off of ACL. Like he's a big man. Like he's fr- twelve months off of it. Like it, it's going to take some time. For what um, this team needs and the personnel we already have, fit wise, it just doesn't make sense. If we had a bunch of defenders on the team and we couldn't shoot a lot, like, and I know we can't shoot a lot now, but we can't like, shoot now. if we didn't have a lot of offensive based players, then like I, I would get it, but we do. So I'd much rather play Gafford. And again, like Carry, you can build up trade value for and trade him in the offseason if that's a chip that someone would want if you make a deal like you you can't trade brian at this point because he's going to be gone and who's going to sign and trade for a guy who max is going to be making like five million in the offseason in bryant so it's i don't know that's just kind of how i view it like if we're going to punt on the season then punt on the season like don't do this foot half in half out the door type stuff so yeah, but you know, Tommy likes, you know, guys he has a relationship with, he's comfortable sure, with. And sure. I think they like TB. I think they like how he works, how he approaches uh, the game and his energy. So, um, you know, if they, I, 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 like I said, I don't see it as a closed book, man, that he, he doesn't come back next year. Like, I, I feel like if it's at the right price, I could definitely see him back. No, I, I mean, I, I totally, totally agree with that. I, I would be much more of a Bryant advocate at this point. Like I could live with the defensive liability stuff, but could you just calm down on the court sometimes? Like after he does anything, like he has this outburst, like it's the first time he's ever done something. And it's just like, if I'm if like all the quality bigs, like in the NBA, they don't celebrate after they make a three point shot. They don't, like go bang their head on like, the, act like you've been there before. <laughs> yeah, just you know, carry and every like everyone has a certain energy sim, but like even Trez, like there's a difference between Trez celebrating and Thomas Bryant celebrating. Like it's two different vibes you get from it. It's just yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's just he's an energy guy, man. I just you know, I, I like I said, I think if they brought him back and it was on like a vet minimum, man, I think he would be better for it come on year two. Off sure. at ACL, you know. Sure. I think he could be a value because he's a big that can shoot the three, man. Um, he's got a nice little jump shot. So, uh, sure. but yeah, I think ultimately, even at his best, he's probably best in like a Bobby Porter's type role. I've been saying that for a year and a half now. So, um, but I, I like the 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 point that you brought up about Porzingis being injured because that's probably gonna factor into it for uh, not even just this season but going forward because if we have to go with Gafford all of a sudden who has proven that he can't stay out of foul trouble and then your backup is Vernon Carey and then we're having to play Rui and Kuzma at the five like it it, it just kind of messes everything up so you almost have to have big man insurance if you're going to have AP on your team because when's the last time he's played 70 games or 80 games in a season like, yeah. it's almost a guarantee he's going to miss time. And he doesn't just miss, like, five games. He misses, like, 20 games. So what you going to yeah. do to him over 20 games? Yeah. Um. Anything else you got before we get out of here? I think it. Uh, the, the pick segment, 
I'm going to be honest, it's just kind of a it's kind of a watch at this point. You know, I think it'd be more interesting if we were winning, but we suck and everything kind of happened. So I don't think we need to do the the pig segment any longer. Maybe maybe we'll bring it back next year. But the NBA, like the a pig segment too, it's kind of like it's really hard in the NBA to figure it out because both of us were literally at 500 for the whole season, which seems about right. Because it's so much it's, variable now with with COVID and all of that stuff. Yeah. Like it's like you you could have it that that line could change in an instant just because a guy is out in protocols. So yeah. it's, it's it's like. It is. It's tough. Now. It's tough to do it right now. It's not like in the NFL where you know if guys are going to be out by Wednesday or Thursday, and then you have like a couple days to to pick. So exactly. uh, maybe something we'll bring back next year. But anything else you got before we go ahead and cut out of here? Nope. That's all I got. I hope I hope they can compete, play play the right way, and lose tonight. <laughs> Well, all right, guys. Uh, I wanted to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. If you're not already subscribed, make sure that you are. Make sure that you rate us five stars and leave us a comment. I believe my DMs are open. If you ever have any questions, comments, anything like that, I'm open to any suggestions you guys may have in terms of stuff that you want to hear us talk about. But thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Like fascinating when I be updating, cutting off white kids, pulling their trump cards. I thump hard and make them say that I'm God. Niggas be pretending they're hardcore, never know the meaning of But I get props like a slogan, and no man could ever try to diss when I kicks my jam. Lyrically deaf and connecting, complete mic record. No double checking, vocals kill like weapons. But if I have to, I go all out with no mic. Yeah, that's right, cause I survive mad fights. And for my peeps, I truly care. Cause without some of them, I wouldn't be here. And they all know how I feel. The suckers be like playing themselves to have massive fear.